Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. Home Affairs exercised this thing where if they suspected that a person having a South African ID may have obtained that ID fraudulently or that the particulars of that person on that ID uh, are not accurately or correctly captured, or if that person may be somebody of undesirability in the country, they've decided that they're going to mark these IDs, quite literally a red mark on the IDs, and uh, the implication thereof was that these IDs were blacklisted. They said that this was merely the Director General of Home Affairs exercising a, a, a statutory obligation to confiscate an ID should they deem it necessary within the prescripts of the statutory framework. Um, and they said that blocking an ID is, is as good as confiscating it. It has the same effect. But the thing is, they can only do so if with certainty they know that the, docu- the, the particulars in the ID documents are false or that uh, the person obtained it fraudulently. Sometimes it means that they have to investigate whether that is true. And while they're investigating that, which may take forever, years in fact, while they investigate, the person has a blocked ID that they cannot use and it means that they cannot live their lives as a full citizen, which is their entitlement if they have an ID or as a permanent resident uh, where so applicable. And so various uh, uh, public interest uh, law outfits went to court and various applicants took the Minister of Home Affairs to court and the Minister of Home Affairs, of course, opposed the application. Uh, But in a weird turn of events, just before they went to present arguments in court, (laughs) the Minister of Home Affairs went and unblocked the IDs of 1.8 million people. But about 700,000 IDs were still blocked at the time they went to court. The Minister of Home Affairs then says in his papers, yeah, my bad, guys. We didn't follow the procedure. <laughs> but don't worry. We're devising a mechanism. Tande Kachauke, who is heading up the statelessness unit at uh, uh, Lawyers for Human Rights, joins me for this conversation. Tandeka, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. You guys must be incredibly relieved, although not entirely relieved. Hi, Oliver. Thanks Thanks for having me back. Um, yes, of course, we welcome the judgment of the Pretoria High Court for the reason that it does provide relief for the 134 clients that LHR has, but also just broadly speaking, other people that are impacted by this issue of, of blocked IDs. As, as you mentioned, they are still, um, according to Home Affairs, at least 700,000 IDs that remain blocked. Yeah. Uh, And we're going to be talking about what the uh, order of the court is and how that pertains to relief from you. But it Mm. must be importantly noted here that the court didn't entirely lambast home affairs here. In fact, the court had some level of empathy for home affairs in dealing with this. This is why, for instance, some of the relief that had been granted here um, is suspended for 90 days in some instances and 12 months. In some instances, it must be recognized that the investigative process or the inquiry into uh, the authenticity of an ID document and the information it contains is not an easy one. It's administratively uh, uh, tedious and laborious. Um, To that extent, are you confident that Home Affairs will be able to adhere to the timelines set out by the court? The timeline set out by the court appear reasonable to us, given that Home Affairs had previously um, 
claimed and even stated before the court that it should take six to eight weeks to resolve a blocked ID case. And now here the court has given them 90 days, which is at least three months, to deal with um, the list of LHR clients and 12 months to come up and report back to the court as to how they intend to resolve the balance of that 700,000. And I think that is more than ample time. The court has been lenient with the department in that regard and has tried to find you know, a compromise that um, accommodates, you know, there may be potential concerns of home affairs with regards to security, as well as then the prejudicial impact of the blocked IDs on um, the victims that are affected. So we believe it's, it's more than enough time. The department itself has said, six to eight weeks. So 12 months is, is more than ample time. We, in fact, challenge the department to ensure swift implementation of this um, court order even before the 12 months, because previously the minister has already stated that people that do have an issue with blocked IDs should present themselves to the Home Affairs officers and has you know, reaffirmed the fact that they will receive um, assistance. So we hope to see that play out within the 12 months. As you mentioned, we have elections coming up. We had children returning to school today. Those with blocked IDs will not be able to register to vote. And I think that is critical in terms of urgency um, um, towards rectifying the situation. Um, adults who have children, they have not been able to register due to blocked IDs right now this week are struggling with with admission for those children so it's it's an urgent matter and we do hope that they don't um you know try and and delay the process one of the things that the applicants collectively or uh, individuals separately ask the court is to uh, declare that the director general may not under any circumstances or uh, may not block an id arbitrarily and i think the word you you may have used initially was the word arbitrarily when we had our first conversation and we spent some time talking about what that means but the court didn't seem to quite buy into that and i think there's clarity on the jurisprudence of paja here pertaining very specifically to the identification act the director general the court made clear still has the power to seize an id document and or to block an id document to the same effect um what 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 is your reaction to that part of the judgment, which I thought was an incredibly important part of the judgment? Yes, so the judge has um, the judgment has interpreted the word seizure under that specific provision of the Identification Act to entail or encompass the act of blocking or marking an ID in the technological um, sense. However, there's a judgment in the same court, in the Pretoria High Court, that has found otherwise to say within all the acts that are relevant to this particular action, it does not seem as if there is empowering legislation for home affairs to block IDs. And in that judgment, they actually found that it was ultra vires, that home affairs was acting outside of the law. And we, in fact, maintain that same position. Our interpretation of the legislation is that there is no specific provision that entitles home affairs to block or mark an ID and that such a substantive action requires a very clear law that gives them that power. And, you know, indeed, home affairs is entitled to approach Parliament to promulgate such a law if they feel that um, ID blocking is a more effective means of, of uh, maintaining or dealing with the national population register. So that aspect of the judgment, um, it, it's a little bit, uh, it's, it's a questionable, and that is our position yeah. on that. But what's important is that in the order, the judgment does find that the conduct of the, the Department of Home Affairs in blocking the IDs in the manner that it did 
is unjust, it's irregular administrative action, and therefore inconsistent with the Constitution. And that's still a very important um, finding. And, and, and so I want to pause there because I think the semantics then becomes important here, right? The judgment says that, uh, the, at least the order says that the manner in which the, in the Department of Home Affairs, in particular here, the Director General with the statutory powers to do so, the manner within which Home Affairs blocked IDs was ultra-virus or at least unprocedural. Um, but it doesn't say that blocking IDs altogether is 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 an uh, unconstitutional, invalid act. Um, and it means that under certain circumstances, blocking an ID, uh, the judge read into Section 9 of the Identification Act there, is still something that uh, a, 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 a director general may be able to exercise. Um, and you say that there's absolutely no legislation, no law, that gives such powers uh, to home affairs, that under no circumstances may they block an ID. Why is it then, Tandeka, that you think that distinction is an important distinction if the argument made by home affairs and accepted by by the court is that seizing an ID and blocking an ID or confiscating an ID and blocking an ID has the same effect? So what is interesting is that the department itself, in its evidence before court, stated that no law that empowers them to do so. So even they have con, you know, considered the issue, they've looked at the legislation, and they came to the conclusion, they attached minutes um, of a resolution taken at a, me- at a meeting that confirmed that they have sought legal advice and come to the conclusion that there is no law that entitles them to block IDs. And the decision um, flowing from that was to unblock the IDs, which I suppose is what resulted in the 1.8 million IDs getting unblocked. Um, but, you know, what, what is in the reasoning of the judgment is simply the, the, the judge applying her um, or their um, understanding and interpretation of the law to the facts before them. So I think it's still an important yeah. distinction. But, the fact that they're two dif- the, the same court has had two different decisions might actually give rise to the need for, for um, an appeal or a higher court to clarify that specific aspect. However, what I also wanted to add is that to moderate that interpretation, um, the court order still provides for the, the process that should follow going forward. And it clearly stipulates that um, the department cannot block or mark an ID if it is not in terms of empowering or enabling legislation, if it is not um, in terms of a fair administrative process, and ultimately if there is no court order to authorize the blocking and marking. So there's still those safeguards that have been worked into the court order. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so my understanding about Home Affairs, the concession made by Home Affairs, that resulted in them unblocking 1.8 million IDs was they conceded that they had done so unprocedurally. That is to say, they blocked those IDs on a mere suspicion and that investigations were still ongoing. They then said, look, it's not fair on us to do that to people if we're still investigating. They recognized that they have the right to do so after the fact, if 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 what comes out of an investigation and potentially an appeals process, which they didn't seem to have before this, and now the court told them to have one, is that uh, uh, they once they determine that indeed this ID document was obtained fraudulently, or indeed the information in this ID is erroneous, or falsely, deliberately false, that they can actually block. So the Home Affairs is still under the impression that they can block IDs, uh, but they just know that uh, it has to happen after the fact um and 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 the court seems to hold that position as well i am asking this not not um you know because i'm 
trying to be silly about it. I'm, I'm asking all of this because there may still be an instance and many more instances where Home Affairs continues into the future to block IDs, very specifically because Home Affairs told us, look, we are devising a way to deal with this. They haven't told us what the mechanism is, but all we know mm. is that, that there's a mechanism that is being built at the moment to do so. It may well be that they continue to block IDs, which is the exact thing that you ask the courts to disempower <laughs> them from doing. Yes. Uh, essentially, we're not saying to block, to, to stop home affairs from blocking IDs completely. We were challenging the manner in which they were blocking IDs. And we do recognize there is a legitimate interest with the, with the department being able to find a mechanism to, to, to effectively monitor and maintain the accuracy of the National Population Register. But this simply has to be in accordance with the law, right? Yeah. So this case, really, at the heart of it is issues of rule of law and state accountability. There's lack of transparency from Home Affairs. They, will not t- they say they have SOPs, but they will not disclose what those SOPs are. They will not make those, um, you know, accessible to the public so that people who are affected by ID blocking know how to respond. So essentially, we're not saying it's it's a completely um, unreasonable manner to deal with the issues that they have flagged. But it has to be sanctioned by law. We can't have a state department that is acting outside of the law or taking the law into its own hands. And then most importantly, there needs to be due process when people make um, administrative decisions. I think it's an important kind of aspect that is underscored by Paja to move away from, you know, the lack of transparency, the secrecy that transpired under the apartheid government and lots of decisions were taken against people without knowledge. So it's important for us to uphold the sanctity of the constitution, uphold the dignity of people. The judgment even says that the manner in which the department has conducted itself is, you know, in in, in complete um, violation of the jurisprudential value of Ubuntu. If you read the stories of people that are affected by blocked IDs, you'd understand why we are challenging the way in which they were doing this. Yeah. The last time you and I spoke about this, one of the questions I had asked you was, uh, do are your clients, and in this instance, including uh, Pindile Masbuko, considering pursuing home affairs, uh, um, um, uh, at least in, 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 in civil court, for damages as a result of an action that home affairs now conceded was irregularly exercised and unconstitutional by their own concession. So there's no <laughs> debate about mm. evidence here, right? Uh, there's a common yeah. cause fact uh, to which home affairs conceded. Uh, because I can imagine that if one cannot have a bank account or your bank account gets frozen, whatever the case may be, financially your life gets impacted. And in many other instances, if you can't get a job because you don't have an ID, your life gets impacted by what is, as the court in its cost order argued, uh, was negligent behavior. Are you then Mm. on the basis of that considering or at least having a conversation about pursuing home affairs for damages? You know, Oliver, there are some clients who have been retrenched from work due to the blocked ID and have not been able to claim their pension. Um, Some clients who have lost, you know, amazing work opportunities simply because of the blocked ID. And there is international uh, precedent for pursuing damages for the wrongful deprivation of one's identity and one's citizenship. So it it is something that people can explore. It is even something that um, some of our clients have, have indicated an interest in pursuing. 
Um, although NHR has not uh, pursued that route, it, it is something to consider. It is also something we've highlighted to Home Affairs when we have brought some of the individual cases to their attention and kind of set out the extent of deprivation um, the clients have faced due to the blocked yeah. ID, the inability to collect grants and all of that. So it's it really is a, a point for consideration. Mm. Mm. But uh, the lawyers for human rights as an outfit may not necessarily be doing so. Yes, not not at this um, not at this stage. Um, at this stage, the case we have brought is more in the public interest, and okay. we do hope that the the relief is something that we can work together with Home Affairs um, in terms of implementation and getting relief to people, such that their IDs are unblocked and at least their lives can be resumed as soon as soon as possible. Yeah, give us a call zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Do you have a reaction, a comment, or a question to this conversation? Let's speak to Moses out in Bramley. Moses, good evening. Good evening, Oliver. How are you? I'm fantastic, sir. Go right for it. Yeah, man, Oliver. You know, I've got a problem. Mm. You know, when the home affairs are blocking this ID, it's like in this country, it's the home affairs creation themselves. They give IDs, people are paying when they are here illegally in this country. You know, we've got a lot of people who are illegal in this country, but they are having South African, uh, original South African IDs. That is why it prompts the Home Affairs Department to block this ID. It has to do with foreigners. And uh, these lawyers of uh, human rights, I don't understand them really, because they are so... Uh, eager to protect uh, uh, these foreign people in this country. Whereas matter that has to do with South African citizens, that impact us as citizens of this country, they don't do anything. Why, why, why is it all about these uh, lawyers for human rights with the foreigners? Because all the time, they are here to protect or take our, our, our government to court protecting the foreigners. What is it yeah. all about Tandeka and his people? And the matter that is... So Moses, can I just pause you? I just, I just, I'm going to give Tandeka an opportunity to respond, but I just quickly want to ask you a question here. Of the 1.8 million, 1.8 million plus 700,000, so we're talking about 2.5 million people, of the 2.5 million IDs that were blocked, um, not all of them were foreign nationals. A great deal of the people whose IDs were blocked were South African citizens, people who were born and raised here. Um, and this court outcome affects them too. So if your argument is that uh, this is merely for the protection of foreign nationals, it doesn't seem to be reflected by the facts, given that hundreds of thousands of South Africans are, are impacted by this as well. Do you, do you have a reflection on that, Moses? Yeah, I understand that maybe uh, just a slight uh, majority of the people that will be impacted. Maybe some of our our our, our South African citizens can be into uh, some of that group. But with these lawyers for human rights, I've got a problem with them. 
Okay. So I'll leave it there, Moses. Thanks, thanks, thanks yeah. a lot. I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's just a slight majority, but Tanega, do you want to respond to Moses's question and, and his complaint there? Again, this is something you guys had to respond to at least parenthetically in court. And this is the question about the integrity of the of the citizen registry. And Home Affairs says, well, we're doing this to maintain the integrity of the citizen registry. That falls squarely into that. Do you want to respond to that? Yes. Uh, Thank you to Moses for that comment. I think it's important to address it because it's something that has been coming up uh, in response to the judgment and the action that we took. So I would just like to challenge Moses to to, to challenge his own biases and to just be a little bit more open-minded and curious about this case. We have published a lot of material publicly on social media regarding um, the matter, including the court papers, as well as sharing stories of some of the people that have been directly impacted by blocked IDs. And that's perhaps something that Moses wants to just, um, you know, maybe explore and watch or read some of those stories. Let's, let's, assume, our... let's assume Moses is not on Twitter and Facebook and doesn't have access to that material and that the radio and this conversation may be the only access he has to it. Within the context of that, what is then uh, the empathy that you'd like to employ him to e- explore there? Yeah, because uh, this conversation is limited time-wise, so I'm just um, putting that out there in case um, Moses can access those materials. But essentially, Moses, we have we have um, encountered five over 500 cases in the last five years of blocked IDs. Majority of those cases have been genuine South African citizens deprived of their citizenship and their IDs. Um, now we have 134. So all of those that we have resolved, it turns out that the victims had been able to provide DNA proof. That is the most conclusive proof of your South African citizenship. DNA tests, um, as well as birth records, their parents' documents, their siblings' documents, extensive evidence of their South African citizenship. But in the absence of a clear process, Home Affairs has failed to deal with those um, cases um, because they have been acting outside of the law and have been acting without standardized um, um, SOPs and policies and in majority of those cases they only get resolved if that person has access to a lawyer who's willing to engage and challenge the Department of Home Affairs until it came to a position where it just became impractical for LHR to deal with the numbers of people that were impacted. It's also important to underscore that some of those blocked IDs are not just adults, it's also innocent children mm. whose IDs have been simply automatically blocked because there's a question with regards to one or both of their, of their parents. In some cases, one um, the, the father is a clear documented South African citizen whose citizenship is not in, dis- in dispute, but because the department has blocked the mother's ID, that child cannot get a birth certificate and cannot get an ID. Some of them have spent the entire childhood undocumented and have entered adulthood still undocumented because Home Affairs refuses to assist them because of their parents. Um, so it has far-reaching implications. When you look into the stories, it's not what you think. Um, it's not the stereotype that you think, which is why I was underscoring that this case is not about irregular migration. It's about rule of law and having a department that simply follows the law and implements decisions according to fair administrative justice. Yeah. Even criminals get the opportunity to be informed of the, you know, the, the accused. An accused person has the right to be informed of the charge against them, the right to appear in court and defend themselves, and even enjoy the presumption of innocence. But with blocked ID victims, you're simply treated as a guilty person at the first instance. So we block your ID, then we investigate. No, the court has said if you 
pick up uh, 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 something, an irregularity, you must explain that to that person. And only once you've come to the end of an investigation, then you can block the ID and take a decision. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's an important thing to understand in terms of this case and, and this issue. I think the, the, the judge even paralleled that to uh, the exercising of an arrest, which uh, limits mm. the, uh, the freedom of movement of a citizen. It must be done. Uh, it must be a very serious consideration for it to be exercised in that way because it has a similar implication. Let's have a listen at this WhatsApp voice note. Hi, Oliver. Um, it's Pumuzo here. Well, I don't understand on the home office uh, matter, uh, like blocking IDs. I don't understand why our government does things without thinking. I mean, like, someone should have said, hey, it's not in line with law. Let's not do it. And now they had to be taken to court in order for them to actually um, see that they were doing something illegal. Like, like, hey, why is it that our government never thinks? I mean, like, it's not just this one. You can look, there's a plethora of uh, 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 their governance and their governance where they do things that don't even make sense. You know, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, um, that's where we're going to have to leave it uh, and wrap up the conversation. Thank you so much for that. Tandega, thank you so much for your time and uh, assuming that there will be any sort of um, action in the appellate courts about this and if Home Affairs doesn't adhere to its timelines, it certainly will go back to court. You and I will speak again then. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Oliver. Bye.